chapter 4. If you have... Um, uh, if you're using the Pew Bible, this is on page 859, but again, if you have your own, I would uh, click to there, turn to, I'll have the scriptures on the screen though, but encourage you to t- uh, turn to there if you can. Like Lauren said, uh, we're starting a new series today to coincide um, with um, New Life's 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting called Stronger. I think the easy consideration of fasting would be that when you fast, it makes us feel weaker. Not eating like we normally do will have that natural effect on the body. I'm not eating as much. That's going to impact me. Well, consider this then, this first uh, beginning of Luke, what it says about Jesus here. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. I think that that's probably the understatement of the entire Bible. He didn't eat for 40 days. I think that he would be a little hungry. We think about the idea of not eating one meal, and we can immediately get a little whiny. Call it what you want, spiritualize it, and underneath it all, and I include myself in this, let's be honest, we get a little whiny. What? I can't eat. We do 21 days of fasting, and in some degree, the thought is, will I have enough energy? How is this going to make me feel? What strain is this going to put on me? What strain is this going to put on my day-to-day? How am I going to get through my day if I'm fasting? We think these things. But the larger question that all of those things fall under is, how much weaker will I be while I'm doing this? Is this going to make me weaker? Now think about doing it for 40 days. Fasting for 40 days on very little, just outside of maybe a little water and maybe a little bit of food. It sounds like being on the verge of death. It's hard not to imagine Jesus just looking emaciated, just skin and bones in the desert, as weak as a person possibly can be. But what we want to see over these next few weeks is that fasting doesn't make us weaker. Fasting helps actually makes us stronger. It doesn't deplete us or make us frail. Fasting actually makes, fills us and strengthens us because we are seeking the Lord and being strengthened by him. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at different passages that focus on the theme of fasting and to be able to see how God wants to strengthen us in our lives. Before we get into this first one in Luke 4, let's pray together and just ask that God would speak to us. God, we do come before you again and just thankful, God, that we can worship you together, that we can pray for one another together, that we can praise you for all that you're doing in our location and the rest of New Life and all of the churches of Chicago. God, you are so good and you are so big and you are so mighty and doing so much and we are grateful that we are your children and that we can be a part of it and that you love us and care for us. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would strengthen us, God. Help us to see and know how much we need you, how weak and frail we are, but how strong you make us. God, I pray that, Spirit, you would move in this place wherever people are watching. It's in your name we pray, amen. So 40 days of fasting, 40 days of seeking the Lord in the wilderness. And then we see Jesus tempted by Satan in in three very specific ways. 
As Jesus goes up against his nemesis in this cosmic showdown in the wilderness, he continually rejects the easier, weaker option that the devil presents him with. And he models strength for us. Here's the first thing that we see, is that weakness is thinking that we don't need God. But strength is trusting in God's leading. Weakness is thinking we don't need God. But strength is trusting God's leading. Verse 3, it says, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of Man, command this, this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. The devil basically says to Jesus, why would God treat you this way? Why would God do this to you? You've been out here for 40 days with nothing to eat. Would a good father do that to you? Wouldn't a good father provide food? Wouldn't a good father protect you from this type of situation? You're the son of God. Just turn the stones to bread. That should be a parlor trick from you. Come on, just do this. I bet taking this into your own hands would be way better. You don't need God. Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 8 as a response. We see in Luke, man shall not live by bread alone, but we need to consider the whole part of Deuteronomy that Jesus is quoting from. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not, and God humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. While Jesus is in the wilderness, he points back to a time that Israel was in the wilderness and talks about their experiences there. Scholar Daryl Block says, the original point of all of this was to call Israel to remain fixed on God's faithfulness in delivering his promises and protection. Israel was to rely on God's provision, provision of manna, because they needed to learn that their relationship with God was more important than what was going into their bellies. Back to Jesus. If he made the bread, then he would basically be saying, the Father isn't leading me. The Father isn't guiding me. The Father isn't providing for me. I'm going to take this in my own hands. Jesus wouldn't be fixed on the Father's faithfulness. He would be denying the Father's faithfulness. He'd be, in essence, saying, God doesn't know what he's doing. Jesus' response to the devil is very clear. I am trusting the leading of the Lord. I am trusting my father's leading. Because how did this story start? Remember what we read? And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Full of the Spirit, trusting the Spirit, led by the Spirit. And where did the Spirit lead him? Into this wilderness experience. Jesus knows that God led him here and he trusts that God knows what he's doing. Jesus knows that his identity as the Son of God is more important than what he eats or how much he eats. And so he's going to remain true to his sonship. He's going to remain true to his identity in him. He's trusting the Father. This is countercultural because our culture switches it. There's nothing more important than what you need and want right now. And you should get and take whatever you need to do 
Whatever needs to happen, you do it to get that thing you want right now. Regardless of what it means for who you are and regardless of what it means in the long term, let's think short term and quick, not who I am and where I'm going. And so Jesus is saying, I am going to show you strength because I'm trusting the Lord's leading. We asked Siri for driving directions for a long trip to think about asking her for driving directions for a long trip to a destination you've never been to or your helpful person of choice. At first, when we're familiar with the environment, it's easy. Of course I would turn there. Yeah, that's the way to go because I know that that's the way to go. I know that this is the direction. So, of course, I agree with you. This makes sense. Let's keep going. But later, when it becomes unfamiliar territory, when we're not sure what's going on, or if she's leading us in a way we're not familiar with, then we start wondering what in the world's going on. How many of you, when you've been following series directions, you've gotten to a point where you've said, why is she taking me this way? Anybody, am I the only one? I, why, I, I mean, I put the address in and I said, I'm trusting you to get me here. But then halfway there, it's like, I don't, what, what, what? Am I supposed to be trusting you? Who's had that experience? And when do we have that? Because things don't make sense. And so in the moment where we don't understand where we're going, we, don't st- we start not trusting the person that we're help- trusting to guide us where we're going. But what Jesus is saying is that just because I might not understand the fact that I'm in the wilderness, I'm trusting the one who guided me to the wilderness. I'm not going to take it into my own hands. I'm not going to turn off the directions. I'm not going to just figure this out on my own. God led me here, so I'm going to be here. God led me here, so I'm going to be the person he's made me to be here. I'm not going to change or compromise. I'm not going to, Satan tempted Jesus, figure this out on your own. Jesus said, I'm trusting the Father's leading. Just because he's led me to the wilderness doesn't mean he doesn't know where he's going. Just because he's led me to a difficult season doesn't mean he's not there. Just because I don't understand or have questions or am confused or might maybe even angry doesn't mean that God doesn't exist or that he's cruel. Jesus shows us the model strength. I am trusting the Father's leading, even though the easier thing, the weaker thing, would just be fix this right now. I'm trusting that God has led me here. And that's a thing of strength. The next thing, weakness is being focused on immediate gain, but strength is found in loyal perseverance with the Lord. Weakness is being focused on immediate gain, but strength is found in loyal perseverance with the Lord. Similar temptation, but also very different. Am I trusting the Lord's leading but am I also trusting the, the way that God is taking me? Look at verse 5. The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. The devil is asking Jesus, wouldn't a good God just give this to you? All of this, everything that's here, wouldn't a good God 
just give this here. You have nothing. And remember who led you to that. And I could give you everything. If he is leading you to a place like this, I could lead you to the life you desire. Like a shyster on the back of a miracle cure wagon, the devil says, why don't you stop following him and come follow me? Step up, I have exactly what you want. We see quick fix, quick earn, quick heal solutions presented to us all the time today. But there's always a catch. There's always the fine print. It's never as good as it seems. I think about the sea witch from Little Mermaid offering Ariel all that she'd wanted. I, pr- I had Star Wars illustrations in the dot, but I used, I went away and I sp- broadened my pop culture horizon. So trying to connect with everyone here. If she would just sign on the line, you can have everything if you just sign here. But there was more underneath, wasn't there? There's more going on. The devil is offering Jesus all of the honor humanity can hold. And and to get it, he just needs to sign this line which says that Jesus, Jesus will worship the devil and not the Lord. Jesus summarizes Deuteronomy 6.13 in his response. But again, let's look at the whole paragraph that that comes in. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Don't forget, people. Everything you have is from the Lord. You are free because of the Lord. No one else and no other gods has done this for you or can do any of this for you, care for you or love you, except for the Lord. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve. And by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people who are around you, for the Lord your God is in your midst as a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Bring this back to Jesus standing there in the wilderness with the devil, and Jesus knows two things. One, the devil is way overselling. He is offering something he cannot give. It might be a quick fix, but it's not better. The devil can't give everything he's offering because all of the authority and glory isn't his to give. And so anything he would be offering is a cheap imitation and not the real thing. But Jesus also knows is that this might be a great next step, but it will destroy the journey. Whether I am in the wilderness or the garden is a relevant backdrop to the effect that I am walking with God. And who I am and who I'm with is more important than where I am. The fact I am with the Lord, I am a child of God, is greater than everything. Paul says everything else is garbage compared to knowing Jesus. The devil says, don't you want everything else? And Jesus says, no, I don't need anything else. I am one with the Father. Following Jesus means he alone is worthy of our worship and our allegiance. And there's times when that's hard, though. 
And that's when we can't give up. Following him at times is like hitting the wall during a marathon. There's a point somewhere between mile 15 and 20, maybe earlier, maybe later, depending on who you are, when it gets really, really hard. And when you feel like you just can't do it, or you should just quit, or your legs are about to buckle, the inner dialogue starts. I should just quit. Why am I doing this? Why am I putting myself through this? I'm crazy. I'm just going to stop. But what you train for is to be able to push through that wall and keep going. Because when you give in, you don't get to experience the whole journey. And when you quit, you don't get to experience what the journey was meant to be. And you don't get the joy and the, of victory and of the finish. You have to push through the wall, push through that difficult moment so that you can continue the race and experience not only the amazing race, but the victory in the end as well. We get into moments where temptation is to not push through the wall. It's to just give up and take the easy thing that the devil is offering us. I've hit a wall in life and I want this difficult situation to end, so I'm going to do the easy fix rather than pushing through the wall, which is more difficult. I've hit a wall in my finances, so I'm going to compromise integrity and get money quick in whatever way I can at work or through other means, rather than preserving and persevering and doing the right thing and trusting the Lord's provision. How often do people compromise and do the wrong thing, steal, cheat, do work wrong, compromise, because of I need to get out of this situation, rather than living and working in integrity and trusting the Lord's provision. I've hit a wall in school, so I'm going to compromise my character and have chat GPT write my paper rather than doing the honorable thing and do it myself. I've hit a wall in this relationship, so rather than staying faithful, I'm going to do all the different options that are before me. I've hit a wall in loneliness, so I'm just going to go with this person who doesn't love the Lord and would pull me from him rather than waiting for someone who does love the Lord and is going to move me toward him. I've hit a wall of, what's your wall? What's the wall? Would it be easier to compromise, to quit, to do the weak thing that the devil offers us, rather than pushing through the wall and trusting in the, being persevering in faithfulness to the Lord? The, de the devil whispers us, come this way. You don't have to follow him anymore. And Jesus is saying, there, that is the most foolish, weak direction to take. All of life and its meaning and purpose is going to be, and hope and joy is going to be sucked out of your life if you follow the option he's presenting you. You have to be strong and persevere with the Lord. That leads to the third thing. Jesus is, excuse me, weakness is trying to control God but strength is trusting in God and his character. Weakness is trying to control God, but strength is trusting in God and his character. It says in verse 9, he took, the, the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on, the, on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, excuse me, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. 
The devil tried the direct route twice, and so now he's going to start changing tactics, okay? These first two options didn't work. Let's stop doing that. Well, how do I trick Jesus up here? So Jesus wants to keep quoting scripture. The devil says, okay, I'll quote scripture. And he specifically quotes Psalm 91, verses 11 to 12. Okay, we're at the temple. Can't get closer to God like that, right? If you're his kid, then jump. Obviously, a dad isn't going to let his son get hurt. Let's see if he really cares for you. If he really cared for you, when you jumped like this, he would catch you. The devil is trying to get Jesus to ignore who God is, but to try and control God. Yes, that's what Psalm 91 says, but that's not what Psalm 91 means. That's not, it's not communicating, hey, just go and do whatever, the angels will catch you. That's not what it's saying. That's how the devil's trying to skew it, though. And so Jesus comes and he says, if God, again, if God loves you, then he would do this. And we get that thrown at us all the time. If, the, if God loved you, then wouldn't he give you this job? Wouldn't he give you this relationship? Wouldn't he give you this cure? Wouldn't he give you fill in the blank? And we go, we hear the same test that the devil threw at Jesus. Jesus responded by quoting Deuteronomy 6.16. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. But here's the whole paragraph. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commands of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers, by trust, thrusting out all of your enemies from before you as the Lord had promised. This is a passage about trusting God's leading, being faithful to God's commands, faithful to God's laws and guidance. It's about living in light of who God is. God has shown you himself in this way. God has commanded you to be holy as he is holy Live in light of who he is and don't test him in that. God is good. God is perfect. God is loving. God is just. Jesus is saying, I don't need to test God to prove those things. I'm going to live in light of those things. Earlier, the worship team saying, you are the same God. And you know, I didn't say this earlier. I want to say now. Hannah and Ed are on vacation right now. So Hannah wasn't leading today, obviously. Kale was supposed to lead today. But his and Alexandra's baby decided to show up early. So they had their baby on Wednesday. So there's a little Ewing baby now. So Jake stepped in on call. Him and Casey, Mark, Ryan did a great job. Can we thank them for leading us? So really, really good. Like, we got a baby. You got to step in. And they did it awesome. It was great. But they led us in that song. You are the same God. You are the same God. God, my God, I need you. I need you now. How I need you. O rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. Jesus, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is living as if the Lord is the same God all the time. He's not putting God to the test to prove what God has already shown to be true. The devil is saying, you need to test God to make sure he's really like this. Jesus is saying, I don't need God to prove himself to me. I already know the truth of who he is. We don't test God. We don't control God. We don't dictate God. 
we live in light of the reality of who the Lord is. It's okay to have questions. That's not what I'm saying. It's okay to wrestle with things. It's a, there's something different, though, about I'm trying to understand something I don't understand. That's different than, God, if you're real, you're going to do this. Who are we? Psalms tell us, Psalm 100, know that the Lord, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the people of his pasture. He is God. We are not. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. It says in Isaiah 55, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Again, it's okay to have questions, but so often what can happen at different times, well, I just don't like that God would do this. I don't like that God would say this. I don't like that God would allow this, so he must not be real. No, that's not how it works. God doesn't need our understanding, permission, approval, or, or anything to be who he is. And so we don't put him to the test we live in light of the reality of who he is. And so within the situation that you're in, rather than saying, God, you need to do this or I'm going to believe you're not there, whatever the situation that we're in, is God, help me to lean into your strength, to your goodness, to your mercy, to your grace, to the community that you've put me in, to the truth that you've provided. I need to trust you, not try to dictate you. Jesus shows us that the strong thing to do is to trust what is true about the Lord, not to have him, rather than the weak thing of having him prove himself. In all of these things, think about the three different things we see in these temptations. Weakness is thinking we don't need God, but strength is trusting the God's leading. Strength is found in loyal perseverance with the Lord. Strength is trusting in God and his character. It's all easier said than done, right? It can be very difficult still in the midst of day-to-day -day life to trust him, to trust his leading, trust his will, trust his provision, trust who he is. We still have to live life. We still, we still will get into experiences where we are hungry in the wilderness. And so how do we do that? Well, that's the key that we're seeing in Jesus through this whole thing is that we have to rely on God's strength to strengthen us. I mean, look at the two things we've seen throughout this entire story. One, it says that the Lord was led by the Spirit. He was led, trusting, communal, intimate with the Spirit. God, be with me, lead me, guide me, seeking the Lord's face. And he continually turned to Scripture. He continually brought the situation he was in back to the word because it's in the word that we find the truth of who God is and what he has for us and what he wants and what he's, how he's promised, what he's promised and how he's leading us. He trust, sought the Lord out and he turned to the truth of the word. If we want to be strong in loyal perseverance, if we want to be strong in trusting God's leading, if we want to be strong to be able to trust his character, that happens when we acknowledge our weakness and seek him. That, that happens when we acknowledge our weakness and trust his wisdom. 
That's why these 21 days are so important is because they teach us to seek the Lord, to read the word. It's as basic as it can get, but it's the thing that's most important. I started helping my son's basketball team. I wasn't planning on coaching, but through a series of unfortunate events, here we are. And one of the things we talk about is the fact, passing, dribbling, shooting. There's like three basic things. And we have to practice those and practice those and drill those and drill those. Because you can have arguments about who's the best basketball player of all time, whether it's LeBron or Jordan. Obviously, it's Jordan. But within that, thank you, I, I hear that amen and I appreciate that. But the thing about those two is that they can do the same things that we're drilling these junior hires with. Everything that they do, all of their greatness is based on how well they can pass, dribble, and shoot. As far as the strength of the Lord, it's not three things, it's two things. Seeking him and coming to the word. Seeking his face and coming to the word. If you want to be strong, to be able to trust in his leading, seek his face and come to the word. If you want to be loyal and perseverance with him, seek his face and come to the word. If you want to trust in who he is and his character, seek his face and come to the word. It's as basic as that. But it's the thing that we have to keep coming to, keep working on, keep drilling nonstop, continually, continually, continually seeking his face and coming to the word. And the thing is that God wants to give you that strength. God wants to give you that. He wants to walk. He said in the beginning, it's not good for us to be alone. That wasn't a commentary on marriage. It was a commentary on humanity. We are not meant to do life alone. And first and foremost, we find what we need in him. We find our heart's desires, our heart's longing in him. We were not meant to do life alone. We were made to do life with him. And we do life with him with one another. And so we come to him. He gives us, by his grace, he forgives us of our sins and gives us life, gives us forgiveness, gives us a new life that's based in joy and purpose and peace and hope. And he says, you're not doing that by yourself. You're doing it with others. And together, you're going to encourage each other and strengthen one another and seek my face and remind one another of truth. That's as basic as it can be. But it's the things that we forget. So let this 21 days, let today be a reminder that you need his strength. And you get it by seeking his face and coming to the word. And you weren't meant to do that by yourself. You were meant to do that with other people. God knows what he's doing in this. We have to trust him. We're going to end today by receiving communion. First Sunday of the year, we want to start off right. And so the ushers are going to pass out the different elements. If this is your first time receiving communion with us while they're passing those out, let me give you a couple instructions really quick. They're going to pass uh, two trays by you, one with bread and one with juice. Just take one of each, um, and then we'll receive communion together in a moment. Uh, In the bread tray... There's a smaller dish that has gluten-free bread in it, so if you need that, uh, take that. Um, If you're not a gluten-free person, then don't let today be the day you try it out. Let's save that for those who need it. Um, We always take a minute of just prayer before the Lord. And so we've come before the Lord and we've fed on his word, and now we want to uh, prayerfully hear from him and process what we've heard.
And so what do you need to bring? Which of these temptations prompt your heart? Which did you resonate saying, I need to be strong there and I need the Lord's strength within this? Maybe it's trusting his leading. Maybe it's persevering. Maybe it's trusting his same character. Whatever one that is, maybe you need to bring that before him. Maybe you need to thank him for how he has strengthened you. Maybe as we've seen the video, you're reminded from the last year of ways he's provided or blessed or led you. Maybe you need to be grateful. Maybe you just need to be quiet and listen to him. But however you've been challenged or encouraged or convicted today, let's just spend some time alone in prayer and then we'll receive communion together. And so God, I pray that you would hear us and speak to us in the quiet of this moment. It's in your name we pray, amen. Let's be quiet before him.